0: Hello and welcome to Time at the Bar with me, Marianne Hodgkinson, and me, Florian Hodgkinson. Ah, so today we're sort of doing a little bit of a preemptive strike on an episode that we've been preparing for a while now, um, all about lagers. Today we are we have three of what are considered some of the top lagers brewed in the UK at the moment. Yes. And we're going to have a little tasting session give you a little bit of a background on the breweries and then i think at the end we might rank them because there Ooh, are only 3. So am a
1: curveball now? Ooh. Yeah, i
0: think we are going to have to get a little bit uh opinionated. Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. So today we're starting with Don Zoko's Northern Hellas, which is 4.2%. Um it's described on their website as Bavarian style unfiltered lager. Um, sweet malt, subtle floral hops, and crisp, refreshing finish. Before we go into the descriptions of uh, what we're tasting today, um, I'm going to give a little bit of a background on Donzoco. So uh, Donzoco are based in Hartlepool in the northeast of England. Um, it's set up in 2017 officially, but um, this se- segment that I have taken from the Donzoko blog, which I recommend you read, has a little bit of a background on how um, on how Reese, who is a one man band, one man brewing machine, uh, got going. So it says here, Donzoko means lowest depths or rock bottom, which is quite applicable to our starting point. In 2014, with a cool box and some copper piping, I made some half decent beer in my parents' back garden, even winning a gold medal in a national competition. Whilst brewing at home for me and my mates, I studied a chemistry degree at Newcastle and in Germany at LMU Munich. Bavarian-style beer and the rich beer culture was a big part of my life. And upon graduating, I put everything into the research and development of my own half-Bavarian, half-UK craft bastardised recipes, which have come to a lovely frothing head as Don Zoko Brewing Company. So nice. I find that really interesting that like starting out with such basic like equipment in twenty fourteen, Reese is obviously like producing these award winning, highly regarded beers. And yep. I believe um I believe he does quite a few he does a few more lagers, doesn't he?
1: Yes, yeah, so, you know, he has a whole series, I think he's um sort of expanded. He's also got some other styles of beer outside of the sort of lager canon as well. Um but gen- generally his his leaning I think is more towards sort of that sort of um traditional German style lagers, particularly Bavarian and Franconian styles. Um and then also like highlighting a few things from like the sort of Belgian style pails as well. Um basically lots of crisp, clean, easy going, delicious treats, um which yeah, he he's managed to to do to a very, very high level on um well, I'm sure you're about to tell us, but he's obviously not Owned his own brew kit, and so he's not done the hot side himself. He has to go and do it elsewhere, other sites, and then take it back to back to his base camp, as it were.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he is a cuckoo brewer in the sense that he, yeah, he brews his wort at another site and then transports it in. Um, how do you describe them? They're sort of plastic bags, aren't they? <laughs> like a yeah. kind of um, what do you call them? Poly well i mean
1: it's like a giant bladder basically isn't yeah. it so that's effectively what it is and so it's you can push out as much oxygen as possible to make sure that at that point in time obviously not that it's ultimately the worst problem you got but i mean no one really particularly with lager styles you really really want to make sure that you're not introducing oxygen to the to the cold side work there um so yeah it basically it does that and so it's a very high sort of high risk uh, way of doing it, but he does it incredibly well to produce such clean, um, well you know, well attenuated, well fermented styles of beer as, as say the Doms Oak and no- Northern Hellas, and to do it that way is uh, you know, it's really, really asking a hell of a lot of himself and the process and a other breweries as well. A hellishly a <laughs> lot. Hellishly a lot.
0: Hellishly a lot. Um, <laughs> fantastic. So shall we have a little uh, discussion yeah, about? Yeah, let's have a little taste
1: of Rooney. Uh, the more it's warming up, you smell. Lovely, sweet, toasted sort of malt characteristics. Lots of sort of honey and little mild melanoidin sort of aromas in there. Only in small amounts though because it's very white, doughy, bready sort of aroma combined with this lovely floral, ever so slightly white pepper and sort of sort of spice kind of characteristic in there, which is really, really nice.
0: And So at the front of the palate, what do you say? What do you reckon?
1: Well, I mean, the bitterness is to the fore. And it's in the middle of the palate and then seems to die away at the very back of the palate, which is nice because it keeps it, again, crisp and refreshing. It leaves just a little lingering sort of um, acidity to it. I think, again, I think he's got a a sort of um, an interesting uh, approach to his acid uh, treatments in-house. So I think at brew house level he's got... um, uh, like a, has, a house acid culture that he's he's combined um, to to create. First of all, you need it initially for that pH to sort of acidify what is probably quite an alkaline um, mash. But it all depends where you're doing it, because obviously, as soon as he's cookie brewing, it's all going to change from place to place. So, um, yeah, so he's doing that. But um, the other key thing is, I think, in the flavour of lots of really good lagers is there's an almost slightly more acidic than normal flavour. I don't think people pick up on very readily, but because I think because of the honey sweetness and everything else that you get in most of these styles, there's almost like a little a sort of slightly lactic finish to a lot of the flavour of a good lager. Um, and that sort of carries it a little bit more, especially with the so, you know, the softer water profile, it just gives it a little bit of something else. It's, like, it's very nicely carbonated as yeah. well, this, you know, it's... Um, Again, it's not a really aggressive carbonation, um, but that's I think that's where I'd want it to be at, you know, the sort of um, tra- traditional Munich-style uh, Helles and then some of the more Franconian-style, you know, more like Keller-style ones where it's a little bit uh, lower carbonation, I think is about on point for me because, again, when you're making a lager, you are thinking, you know, barring making styles like, you know, your Box and your My Box, which are big, chunky boys, the rest of it, you sort of want to have sessionability to the forefront of your mind, and you know, particularly in sort of historic Bavarian, Franconian, Bohemian culture, it replaced water, and so it has to have that sort of uh, drinkability and high volume sale, um, you know, to 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 be what it is, you know. And and you know, the lagers like this, like a Munich Helles, most people always say it's like this: sit down in a garden, you know, like a beer garden in the cellars in. Uh, in Germany and even places you know, like here now, people talk about Helles. And you just want to be able to throw them down in the summer sun. But they're good all year round because there's that malty sweetness and there's that biscuitiness in there that allows it also to be... You can easily be sat in the winter and by the fireside and it still does the same sort of thing in a weird way.
0: Now, I have noticed a downfall. Our decision today was to put our lager beers into our ceramics. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, so you have you poured some into a glass? I
1: did indeed, because yeah, I thought because the you're a downfall of man. putting something into ceramic is you, you can't, can't
0: see the colour, yeah. which I mean, it's it's good because it protects you against skunking and light, light strike in yeah. a way that glass will not. But yeah, you can't appreciate that colour that will your, have been uh, designed, you know?
1: What's your colour? It's a nice, it's a lovely, uh, again, back to honey, honey yellow through slightly amber centre. It had good head retention. I've shaken this for about a little bit now. But, again, um, it's got a nice, crispy sort of white foam on top, sort of a, like a mountain range with a little snow cap on it. <laughs> and, again, it's not it's not incredibly hazy. It's just got, um, what do you say, it's slightly misty, slightly foggy. Uh, and I think that's really nice because it actually sort of, again, highlights the sort of reddy, amber hue right at the centre of the beer. Yeah. Um, which it might not do otherwise. Um, again, carbonation, great, looks lovely. Stry- you know, nice stream, slow stream of carb carbonation, CO two going up the glass, um, and you know you've got a nice lacing as well. So it sticks around. You know, you can particularly see that in the ceramic more. Obviously, having shaken it around again, you're not going to see it in the same way. But initially, leaves a good lacing at the side of the glass. Uh, again, so- all signs that you've got a well-made beer. Not always saying that it is the greatest beer you've ever had, but they're all signs that combine along with you know how you perceive it, aroma, taste, and visually to say yeah that's that's a good beer, it's well made. So yeah, delicious um, stuff.
0: Yeah, what do we think of the end? I mean, to me, it's very clean and it kind of polishes off at the end to the to give you that I want to go back for more kind of it's. Just that little bitterness lingers yeah. without it being overwhelming.
1: It leaves a little bit of white white dough in the mouth yeah. and just a little bit of sort of acidity and bitterness there in very small doses, just just to sort of drag you in a little bit more reel you in for just another little taste and therefore hopefully another little pint as well,
0: yeah So, next, we're moving on to the Braybrook Keller lager, which is four point eight per cent. Um, the description of their website says this is the beer which started it all. Braybrook Keller Lager is our version of the Franconian Keller beer, an unfiltered and unpasteurized beer which keeps all of the best flavour while delivering the ultimate lager refreshment. It's a proper lager, which means bottom fermentation, cold storing, then maturing over a number of weeks before release. Full flavoured, thanks to our Franconian molten hops, this is a lager as it's meant to be. Um, so... Keller Lager. Can you describe a little bit of the difference there between the Helles that we just tried?
1: Keller really means that it was the beer that was served directly from the Kellers. The Kellers were the places where they laid the beer down to mature, often cut into the hillside with... um, With the chestnut trees over them and you end up with what is like the keller beer gardens um so they came directly out of there instead of then you know going around to the pubs you could have it served directly from that so they were generally slightly hazier slightly lower carbonation more hot bitter uh, and slightly more rustic by style originally anyway now there would be sort of you know keller style means to most people, probably unfiltered, unfined, sort of a little bit more hot bitterness potentially. But I would
0: definitely associate yeah. them to be the hazy ones of the lager world. Yeah. Um, and that is
1: that is the case. They're yeah. not, they haven't had that, particularly the way that that style sort of evolved or that sub-style evolved Um is that it became more about a fresher, younger beer, even if it had had your still your normal lager maturation period, so several, you know, like several months or so. So it could be anywhere up to three months. It's still younger than saving it for six months and then you know wheeling it out. So it didn't quite gain the same levels of clarity.
0: So to give a bit of a history about Braybrook, they uh, started in 2017. They're based in Market Harborough, and they have a 10 hectolitre brew house. Um, this is what they had to say on their website. Uh, we're Luke, Nick, and Cam, three friends with decades of combined experience in the food and drinks trade. Our love of proper lager came from our travels in Germany, where we met Stephen Mickle, owner of Marsbrough, founded in 1670 and one of the highest rated lager breweries in the world. Stephen came on board to get us started, then handed over the reins to head brewer Mario Canestrelli, who adds to Braybrook over a decade of experience in some of the best breweries in the UK. So, these guys have taken their experience directly from a highly regarded German brewery. Yeah. um, yes, last,
1: not... um a Franconian brewery from Bamberg. Bamberg's sort of like the unofficial uh, brewing capital of Germany, if you like. I mean, obviously a lot of people's associations, particularly with Munich, well, it's not an actual official thing, so it, you know, whatever you want it to be, but... There is such a great history of brewing and brewing styles that have come out of Franconia and particularly Bamberg. Um again a, a huge sort of cultural historic uh site of importance throughout the whole of um of the whole of Germany, but also the brewing world in many ways. Uh again, a beautiful city, UNESCO World Heritage Site, um stunning place to be. But yeah, um again Mars uh, one of the sort of great breweries in that city and um considering there's quite a few high quality breweries that's quite a, a you know a, a badge of honor anyway so yeah <clears throat> but yeah to to draw that influence you know that directly and to take information from somebody of that quality shows obviously that they really did care enough about doing it the right way um, and we're willing to ask the right questions of the right people
0: yeah i find it interesting that we're already seeing a pattern forming here among the ones that we've picked of the uk lagers mm-hmm. um, because Reese from Donzoko obviously did his training in Germ did yep. some training did in some, Germany as well, there, yeah. and I find that like I mean that must be the most valuable way if you want to learn and bring those skills to the UK. Yeah, um, what do you think there is? A way of doing it without having had specific training or do you think that you really need to have seen how the professionals do it on a hand in a hands-on capacity
1: I think it's one of those that you really you could do it yeah sure I mean but what you would often find is that you'd only know the the way that you apply the knowledge that you have to doing it so that's probably from like the homebrew or slash ale approach in the UK to try and make, make lager. And obviously there is a very different brewing approach in uh, you know, modern-day Czech Republic and modern-day Germany, so there's old Bavaria, Bohemia, so those areas, which you can't really replicate with the learning the sort of strange superstitions and genuine development in process that has taken place there. And a lot of that, again, is not unavailable as knowledge, but it's not easy to understand without... Practice, or without just going there and immersing yourself in culture, there's no, there's no um, transferable skill like cultural immersion. Where you do that, you get to understand a people's, or you get to understand a way of life, or with this, you get to understand a style of beer. And you do by drinking it, you understand a lot more. And you can't just readily drink it here. You get it in some bottles, but to go there to study with people that have had years of that knowledge or years of processing in that particular way means that you can learn that a little bit easier so yeah it could be done it just might take you a little longer you might have to do a hell of a lot more research dig deep into those history books but i I equally you know i see plenty of really good lagers that are not being brewed a traditional german or czech way and are still highly highly exceptional and you know there's no reason why you couldn't just do it tomorrow
0: So, moving on now from our introduction to Braybrook to tasting the beer.
1: Yeah, well, we'll just quickly say that what we've got here is an unfiltered amber uh, keller beer. Um, so, it's uh, m- like a Martin style. So, it's a little bit more uh, colour, a little bit toastier. Generally, that's the flavours of those t- types of beer. Often, note- you know, noted by a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of honey, caramel as well. But that shouldn't outweigh the nice sort of bitterness. That's pretty traditional to franconian style keller beers anyway so let's have a go on this job here
0: so this is a 4.8 percent keller lager is what it's called
1: so and i think as i say in franconia they would just call them keller lagers and it's just whatever their house beer is that is just you know it's normally that amber style that martin style beer
0: this one's a lot richer in aroma than the Donzoco to me. The Donzoco was a lot fresher, more floral. Yeah. This one's got a real rich, bread nutty, it.
1: toasty yeah. sort of
0: toasted bread. Like yeah. yeah.
1: And I think that's that's really what does characterise that Franconian style of like the Marzen in particular. The Marzen was from all over, but it's more like Vienna style lager as well. There's more notes of toastiness and a little bit more. Sort of nuttiness as well,
0: and the clarity on this one, in spite of it being a Kelloga, is it seems significantly clearer than the Yeah, that, I mean, It's pr-
1: that's pretty bright, really, isn't yeah. it? All things considered, and it's
0: just a, a hint of a haze. A
1: hint of haze, yeah. And again, that's pretty true to style. I mean, in a way, the Donzoko's Northern Hellas. One thing we should think about is that it's a Northern Hellas. They've sort of given themselves a little bit of leeway to say it's whatever we it's want it
0: true. to be. It's in, true. In, in their description, they were talking about how it is, you know, a combination of British brewing, and, like British craft brewing and traditional German brewing. Absolutely. So but, in this one.
1: And for me, this is quite true to the style Yeah. of the sort of Franconian Keller styles anyway. So, as I say, like that Vienna style, like the Martzen style, it has that lovely toastiness, that lovely warming, but mm. then it also has a really crisp finish. It doesn't tend, you know, it tends to be a little bit more hop bitter. This is really, really rather balanced. So good, you know, so, and it never gets too weighty. You think because of that richness in the aroma that it's going to be a little bit more yeah. of a, a chew fest, and it really isn't at all, is yeah. it? Yeah.
0: Oh, I I really like this one. This one's got yeah, like that toasted caramel
1: kind of yeah it's 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 all light notes isn't mm, it it's not never too much of anything it's not
0: cloying it's not sticky yeah it's it's maybe that just gentle carbonation as well it's not heavily carbonated and
1: again typical of the keller style is that slightly lower carbonation almost a little bit more rustic in its in its approach they can often end up with lower carbonation a bit more hot bitterness and a little bit more of a sort of haze to them and that's yeah, you know, very true to that style.
0: And I think often we associate lagers in this country, or at least mass-produced lagers, as being these really heavily carbonated, like, frothy, every, like, in spite of every sip yep. you take, and then you see the stream of bubbles just non-stop, as, like, right down to the last drop. Absolutely. And, I, like, I think this is why people get so put off by lagers, is because that level of carbonation is just going to fill you up. You're not going to be able to... You're just going to be gassy. That's always
1: been my feeling, and it's not for me. I I really am a lower carbonation person. And this particular beer really nails what's great about Franconian Mm. beer culture drinking, is that you never do get too full. Because it's not the carbonation doesn't take you down. It's not you know, even if a beer smells like it's gonna be rich and heavy, it never really is. Even their box, you know, the stronger lagers are really, really quite fresh and crisp in comparison to what might be like an imperial stat on the other end of the scale. So yeah, it's a cracking example of of a style. Personally I'm a sucker for this particular style of beer. And again, people always think they look at the colour, that sort of more amber hue and they're getting more towards like tones of red. They think it's going to be heavier for some reason. They drink with their eyes, and it really, really is a very light beer in my mind.
0: It's, I really am enjoying this one. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, that was good.
0: So, moving on to our final beer for this quick session, we have a local staple and one that we have had many many pints of so oh yes. hopefully we'll be able to judge this one fairly it's lost and grounded keller pills um so this is uh described as uh pills it uses pills and malt um magnum pearl and halital middle through hops and is described as a clean unfiltered hop bitter lager beer it's four um, point eight percent, thirty four IBUs. You don't see. I don't I feel like I don't see IBUs very often these days. Oh, most
1: people don't need to quantify it. It's also IBUs have gone out of fashion in the sense yeah. that when it was the big big IPAs, the West Coast like double IPAs, people were like let's see how many IBUs we can get in man, <laughs> and obviously now it's like let's see how few IBUs we can get in man and make it pure juice. <laughs> so that's the NEPA versus West Coast sort of like fight.
0: What's the nickname for it? Well, you
1: well you what for the IPA.
0: Oh, uh, for the for oh, it's the IBU arms race. Yeah, that's it.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Um. Anyway, that's in no way relevant to <laughs> lagers, <laughs> but thirty four IBUs for those that are interested. Lovely. So we have had quite a few of this one, but I yes. think it's still worth saying a little bit about the history of um, where Lost and Grounded came from, because I found out some very interesting things when I was looking at their blog. So um, these are some excerpts from their website and blog. Lost and Grounded Brewers is a brewery in Bristol, UK, established in July 2016. We are particularly fascinated by the precision of German brewing and the idiosyncratic nature of Belgian beers, and we chose the brew house of our dreams that could help us make these wonders of fermentation. So their brew house is a 25 hectolitre brew house, so it's significantly bigger than Braybrook. And, I mean, obviously Don Zoko is not even a blip on their radar as far <laughs> as quantity is concerned.
1: Well, an unknown quantity, aren't they, really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> but there was also, I found out some really interesting information about Alex Troncoso, uh, who is the uh, one of the owners, along yeah. with his wife. Founder with his
1: partner Annie and uh, the head brewer. I assume he still retains that role.
0: I believe so, yes. But um, they very much have this, you know, we're all in this together. Like this is why they call themselves Lost and Grounded Brewers rather than brewery, because they really see that as. It's such a team effort and they really value each member of the team that makes these beers happen. But I found out that um, Alex actually, he had wanted to be a brewer since he was 18 but didn't get his first brewing job until he was 29 after having applied for 20 to 30 different brewing jobs He'd had so many rejections, and I thought that's an interesting little fact to throw in there for any of you out there who yeah. might have a dream of being a brewer but feel like maybe don't be discouraged. Yeah, don't be discouraged. And if
1: something something's worth waiting for, yeah,
0: or working hard for. <laughs> I mean, obviously Alex has gone on to do he did um, he did chemical engineering and didn't enjoy any of the jobs in that sector, and then he did loads of home brewing. And then he enrolled himself in a graduate certification of brewing, and joined the Institute of Brewing and Distilling. And he completed a diploma in brewing, and in spite of all of that, still got rejected so many times. But eventually,
1: that's that's remarkable. I know
0: it? it absolutely.
1: So qualified, so
0: qualified. It took him a really long time to get into it, but once he did get into it, he worked at a few places, but a couple of the famous breweries that you might have heard of that he worked at was Little Creatures in two thousand and four
1: to two thousand and twelve. Oh, yeah, Fremantle, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah He was, um, yeah, he was there for such a long time, and it was really. I think
1: that's where he developed his sort of passion for lager as well, unless I. I, unless I've misremembered, I remember. I seem to remember him telling me that particular about the particular point in time where he sort of got focused particularly on lager and particularly with the pilsner that they were making there. I think.
0: Yeah, and then he worked at Camden Brewery in London from 2012 until I assume 2016 when they set up. Their own. It may have been a little bit before that he left so that he could actually get the process off the ground to starting Lost and Grounded.
1: I think there was a period in time in which they were developing all things Lost and Grounded and having already left Camden to give that time, the due amount of time to it.
0: And just a quick rundown of what their name means, because you might be intrigued, Lost and Grounded, not the most straightforward name in the world. Um, So Lost... Uh, they've referenced as being unable to find one's way and not knowing one's whereabouts, and two, grounded a person who is sensible and has a good understanding of what is really important in life. So you get the sense that like they really they had a passion, they followed that passion to produce really good traditionally made lagers, and. Uh, and Belgian-inspired beers as well. All of their favourite styles. They just wanted to do it really well. And in spite of not necessarily feeling like they knew where they were in their lives, there was just this passion, the groundedness of their passion. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? And I really like that. I think that, you know, I didn't quite understand the name at first, but when you think about it, it's a lovely sentiment. Okay, moving on to the tasting of Lost and Grounded Keller Pills. Mm, mm, mm. So this one's 4.8, like the, um, yeah, the, Bray the Braybrook. Braybrook. Yeah. Um, So it's another was...
1: Keller-style beer as well, so yeah. this is a Keller Pilsner now. So, and I think they, as you said, they describe it as hot bitter, which it is. It's one of the immediate things you get from it, on the uh, on the flavour anyway. When it does have a classic, again, as I say, approaching Franconian-style uh, aroma to it, it's got that lovely soft but also slightly sherbet lemon, but that soft sort of doughy and sherbet lemon sort of
0: it, Yeah, it does have a real doughiness in comparison to the um, the Braybrook, which was a much richer like baked bread yeah. and like, you know, when you get that um, sort of almost burnt edging on the top of a nice white loaf. Yeah. That real crusty crust. Yeah, it's more
1: like biscuit and crust and, yeah. and toasting. And this My favourite bit. absolutely. <laughs> punch, punch the white dough out the centre of a, a loaf and just eat that.
0: Um, and uh, colour-wise, it's very straw-coloured really, isn't yeah. it? And um, Again,
1: light haze um, and it's just got a little bit of a little bit, just tiny tiny little sort of yellowy greeny sort of edge which I think again is because of that sort of hot bitterness Um, but as you say it's very straw coloured it's got great head retention um, very light spritzy kind of carbonation um.
0: yeah again quite low carbonation nice really
1: uh, kind of yeah it's not low low is it no but when you're thinking lager you think it's going to be
0: exactly it debunks this kind of myth of lagers as these extremely like frothy fizzy Drinks like it really does help to make you think. No, you can session on this. It's only slightly different in comparison.
1: This one has most beautiful sort of middle palate malt uh, characteristic Mm. as well. So the that the malt really comes to the fore right in the middle of the palate with hot bitterness up front and then hot bitterness at the back end as well.
0: Yeah, it's so fresh, isn't it? And I think that. I don't want to be unfair here because we drink this one a lot because we're lucky enough to have it as a regular thing. I mean, yeah, it is becoming more common to see around the UK. But I think that, I mean, people will gravitate towards the ones that are closest to them, the more local lagers, won't they? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for us, this is our local lager. But this has been like my summer drink. I definitely used to be one of those people who would try as many different things as I could, try, like, if there was a list of beers, I would try and hit as many as I could before I fell over and vomited.
1: (laughs) Um, Delicious.
0: Oh, delightful.
1: What a unique selling point.
0: But um, these days, I definitely find myself gravitating more towards something that is sessionable, something that just pleases me every single time I drink it. Yeah.
1: And this is this is exactly that, isn't it? Exactly. It's, it's the lady pleaser. It it's the man pleaser. <laughs> and it pleases us all.
0: It pleases all in society.
1: Apart it's, from No, I mean it's yeah. just it's really nice and it's smooth and crisp and it's got a really as I say, that that sort of white dome middle to it is just what what makes it really, really sessionable. And then it just dries out with again a little bit of sort of lemony Lemony bitterness, but not too much in the in the finish and just a nice little dryness as well. One
0: thing I meant to say about the Braybrook, which has reminded me here because it's quite different, is mm. that the Braybrook didn't quite have that acidity in the end that, um, I, mean, I mean, it's part of the balancing off process, isn't it? That the uh, Donzoco and this bit, yeah. the kelepils from Boston Grounded have. It's that bite at the end, that bitterness, but also just that touch of acidity but it helps to clean away the palate that a little bit no that's
1: very true I mean but then again that as a style with it being slightly more toasted and biscuity if you clean it up too much it's probably a bit weird and probably feels quite abrupt whilst it sort of lingers a little bit and just again like like when you bite into a nice bit of bread and that crust is also moorish and it's in, in a very different way so I think that's those those differences between those beers and obviously these being pale pilsner and helles they've got that nice crisp acidic bit of carbonic you know not wildly acidic but just a little bit of acidity and sort of carbonic acid finish as well from the carbonation that just makes you go "Mm, beautiful zips off the palate to some degree just leaves a few lingering notes that just draw you back in
0: yeah last orders.
1: so the three beers that we've had I think they've all been, you know, very, very great examples of their individual styles and obviously take into account that Northern Hellas is a sort of new style to themselves. Yeah. A little bit of wiggle room for them on that one. But they're all, interestingly, the flagship brands of each individual brewery. And they're all pretty different, but they all got one one major thing in common, other than the fact that they're lagers, is lack of filtration or a lack of you know extra clarification and i think part of that is down to um the sort of the modern enjoyment of that little bit extra flavor and obviously the more you clarify things particularly with lagers where they're cold conditioned anyway you you really are stripping out flavor compounds and when you're not really got floaters in there it's great isn't it it's not like hazy murky and so all of these have got really nice, as you were saying, like with the lagers, you know, you think about that extra clarification, too much carbonation, this, that and the other. That's your macro production. And really, they're trying to build as little flavouring as possible. And these guys are really prioritising that flavour. So it's great to see that in modern lager production. But also it's great to see that in, in the UK, this great new sort of push for some really good um modern lagers and you know there's also other breweries out there utopian brewery have done some really good stuff and bohem in london who are sort of a couple of czech guys making really good czech style beers and in london and you know we have over a number of years had lots of you know breweries and there's lots of lager specific breweries but these three i think are quite stand out to me as far as you know you look at where the where the culture is sort of starting to develop here in the uk and they are very much the beers of their heritage, but with a little modern twist in, in little different ways. And again, they're also having met all of them. They're all really, really nice people. Um, they're really doing some great stuff for their businesses. And so, you know, really wish all the best for them in the future.
0: I think we've hit that time now, floss, out of the three that we have tasted today.
1: You evil bitch.
0: I know I'm going to do it to you though. <laughs> Which one is your favorite? Can you rank them? Uh, okay, so in at number three.
1: See, I don't like this.
0: Game. No, you don't like that game.
1: Maybe I should ask you. But I I will say this, that Keller Pills is, even though it's still relatively young in the market, is an old favourite for me. I think it's a great beer. I think it's a great everyday session beer. Absolutely love it. It's very understated, but also very charming in its little nuances. It's not by any means a straightforward beer, but it's not trying to hide behind sort of complexity either. So it's a great session beer. The Braybrook Keller Lager, I think, is a delicious example of that sort of traditional Franconian Keller style, which, as I say, I'm a little bit of a sucker for. <laughs> so I might be swayed to go one way with that. Um, and again, it's just that sort of little bit of red fruity, sort of like dried red fruit and a little bit of caramel, a little bit of nuttiness, again, a little bit of lemon bitter finish. It's absolutely bloody delicious. And that's a great beer, really nice effervescent carbonation, not too high. So that would be pretty, pretty high up there for me. Uh, and that sort of feels like I've sort of then said Don Zoco is not that one. But again, Don Zoco's beer is absolutely cracking, I think. Of all the three, it's really, really hard to separate them because you're trying to compare non-like with like. So a Helles, a Pilsner, and what is really effectively a sort of a Martin style beer. I think mean, they're all great examples. I really, really like the Don Zoco, and I'd love to try it on draft, you know, because I've, I've I had the a... joy of trying both the other two on draft. I'd really want to see that. I
0: would really, I totally agree with you. I would really like to try the Don Zoco on draft, which means we have to take a trip up north. Oh, that would be terrible, wouldn't I it? I mean, Off. can you get it in Nottingham? Because...
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure you could. I mean, I know, I know that they've, be... you know, they've done a bit, I think they've done a bit of brewing out there, maybe even, because they're, con- you know... Oh, because they're doing the cuckoo brewing, Yeah. And, um, but you know that would be that would be great yeah but i mean if not you know we, we make it all the way up to uh up to the northern heights and go and have a nice northern hell somewhere
0: so i uh, so for me my rating i'm going to i dodged dodge
1: that bullet there though, yeah. like i've not, not And actually
0: them. i'm kind of glad you did dodge the bullet of the rating because now i come to think of it i can't put them in an order of 3 two, 1 because i think they give they all have such great unique qualities that make them something that i might have a different uh a different preferred time of drinking them so mm. for me like the northern Hellas from don zoco that's I, your
1: morning beer isn't it that's, I, for breakfast.
0: that's my starter that starts my <laughs> session off you know just ease into the day um no i really i really enjoyed that and i agree with you i'd really like to go and try it like on draft somewhere sure. if we can find it. Um I think that it kind of sat in the middle of the two others for me, in the kind of richness, the um yeah. I mean fashionable. I, I think that's like, probably
1: true to all those three styles as well. You've yeah. got your sort of Keller Martin style is the sort of bigger beer, it's a little yeah. bit richer. Then the one in the middle which has got the, sort of bigger body, a bit more fuller body. The northern Helles the Pilsner's a lot drier, stripped yeah. back. Which is is interesting because then which order are they going in as your session?
0: And so, so my session, I would probably start with the lost and grounded Keller pills because I I often do these days anyway. Possibly I am spoiled by the fact that I have it so often, mm-hmm. but to me it's like it's the kind of thing I'd sit and drink out in the sunshine. It's a real that is like a true session beer for yeah. me, and it's a gateway and, drug and a gateway drug, <laughs> um, and. I just can't, I cannot find fault with it at all. It is like just an everyday smashable. There's no, there isn't really a wrong time to have it. But I, in my head, it's outside in a beer garden, really fresh, really crisp, really clean. And yeah, you can session on that. The Donzoko Northern Hellas, that bit of extra body, that bit of extra richness, and something that kind of, um, brings to mind more of, like, a an English bitter that's been lagered. Like, that sort of element to me means, like, yeah, I could have a few of those. Again, quite sessionable, but maybe it doesn't hit the palate in the same way that I get with the the color. Like, yeah, just... Yeah, I could drink that. I'd, in fact, I'd quite like that with food. I think that it would be a good mm. food pairing. And then... For me, I think my favourite of today has been the Braybrook.
1: She's gone and said it. She's only gone and said it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Blood I like you know.
0: I like them all, but I think flavour-wise, the Braybrook hit every part of my palate. That just I mean, you've got the caramel, you've got the richness, you've got the clean, um, the you know. The clean ending.
1: Yeah. It's uh, a very it's, clean ferment character as well. Exactly. So it actually ends... It never gets too sweet. It never gets too bitter. It's never too much of anything.
0: But there's like a big... It's quite a bold flavour in yeah. comparison to the other two. And I think that as much as I could session on pills, that would be my, like, I want a treat pint. This is like my... I, you know, I'm really going to enjoy every single drop of this beer... And I think I'll get something different from it throughout the drink. Mm. Whereas with Keller, you go smashing that down. Northern Hellas, I think you get a similar feel. Like, yeah. And that's what a good lager should give you that. But I think that Braybrook just gives you that extra hint where it's like, oh, but there's complexity to this. There's there's character that that means it stands out to me more than the other two. So for me, I think if I was to, yeah, if I was to really say what was my favorite beer of today it would be the Braybrook
1: excellent choice can't go too far wrong but then having said that I think they are all beers that you could really just enjoy and I think really why not have them all have them all in one sitting
0: have a delicious evening in Totally encourage you if you get the opportunity to try and find them all and taste along and see if you can, if you pick up the same flavours as us. You might not because everyone's palate is slightly different. Um, and then see what your favourite is. We'd love to hear what your favourite is. Also, if you have any recommendations for us about a lager that's brewed locally to you or something that you think should have been in our top three or in like the standout three that we picked yeah you know, let us know. We want to know. We're still discovering. We, we're we always still absolutely. discovering new things. So let us know. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And needless to say... They're not the only three lager breweries and they're not the only three, but the reason we've chosen them is because they are predominantly lager breweries. We know there's great stuff being made by the guys at Cloudwater and Daya as well. You know, there's lots of other breweries, people like Brick in London. There's lots of really good stuff being made and lots of really good lagers being made. But these guys are sort of dedicated to that craft and we just wanted to highlight great British lager brewing because it's not a thing that we've really seen before.
0: No and i think that concludes today's episode but if you want a bit more of an in-depth history on lager the process of where it comes from we're doing a two-part series on lager i mean we're going to call it a history of lager we're not going to hit every point but it's going to be as in-depth as we can go and it's going to take a a lot of our energy to get it this one indeed. out there. I We're mean, it already get out has
1: the cold, cold summit of lager brew.
0: <laughs> it's already absorbed so much of our time just to try and get this one ready for you guys. So we really hope it's going to be everything that you expect. Um, but yep tune in for that one. Thank you for tuning in for this one. This has been Time at the Bar. Uh, get out.
1: Get out.
0: Time at the Bar thank you for listening to time at the bar if you have any beer recommendations uh, suggestions for episodes or you just fancy getting in touch then please email us at tatbpod at gmail.com if you use social media then please follow us on twitter at time at the bar pod or instagram at time at the bar pod thanks again for listening